again, everyone, and welcome to the Lunch Pail Podcast alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. This is Aaron McFarling, the sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Thank you for joining us. I think we've knocked the cobwebs off here, Mike. I feel like I'm prepared. I got all sorts of printouts in front of me. Um, you know, you got some feedback uh, from some listeners last week. Yeah, we really do appreciate that, working through some technical things, uh, working with some new equipment, some new software, so... Uh, as we go, hopefully the audio quality will improve. But if you have anything else, um, we like those comments. I mean, they're helpful. They're constructive. Uh, I know one person was upset that we didn't have a, a logo yet. That's in the works with the lunch pail, uh, not a football helmet. We know it's named lunch pail. We'll get one. We'll get on it. Uh, so we're working through some things, but the content should be mid-season form. The other stuff we're still we're we're it's our, we're, we're still working through it. Well, speaking of midseason form, before we get going here, and I'll get to a rough outline of what we're going to do in a second. But I want to say you you've really hit the ground running here. I've been impressed with you so far. I mean, the depth chart was released today, and we'll talk about that. But you know, you you got on the phone and called the high school coach of of one of the surprise players, and and you got some good quotes from him. So you're doing very well. I know it's probably a little nerve wracking being in a new new environment and and different and all that. But kudos to to your performance thus far. Well, thank you, and thank you for being so welcoming. Uh, the team here has been uh, no, nothing but helpful, and that's that's kind of made things easy too. And and I'm looking forward to keep going. We're going to be traveling together, so hopefully we. Uh, can maintain that those positive vibes as we hit the road to Florida State. Going to be taking some planes, trains, and automobiles, I think, right? Yes, I think we will, and I haven't thrown any fists with anybody, although Nappy and I got close a few times, and it was both of us that got a little uh, wired up sometimes when we worked together, but uh, usually it, it goes pretty well. Today we're going to talk about the depth chart. Uh, that's gonna. That's what we're going to start with, the surprises, the team streaks, the team weaknesses, uh, and then we'll get into the FSU matchup, the biggest concern for Virginia Tech in that game. Uh, what can they take advantage of, if anything, uh, as, a, as a team? And we'll get into some predictions, and we'll also do our pick three, which I feel much, much more prepared for this All week. All right, good. That's good. You had some time to think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking of my third, but okay. I've got two, two solid ones. All right, let's start with the depth chart, Mike. You... You put out a, a story as soon as it came out. What surprised you about it? Well, yeah, I think the top thing, and you alluded to this with uh, Zachariah Hoyt. Not Zach. I guess he prefers Zachariah Hoyt uh, from Salem. He's a local kid, so uh, people here might remember that name, and he teamed up with your boy Coleman Fox. He did. Uh, and they had some uh, great success in high school. He's going to be your starting center. Now, that's surprising because Kyle Chung, they'd been talking about him repping there uh, since the spring. He was moving back to the interior. He's still starting, but he's at left guard. And then kind of everybody else is where they are, were expected to be. Silas Zanzi is at left tackle. Braxton Pfaff at right guard. Uh, and Yo I don't know how to say Yosia. Is it Nijman? Joshua. Nijman at right tackle. So center, uh, redshirt sophomore, big kid. You don't see this more, and that's kind of what jumped out to me too. Six foot five, 308 pounds at center. You don't see that very often anymore. A lot of guys that are a little shorter because those big guys get moved to tackle. But uh, I was talking to his high school coach, and they said they had such talented linemen that they didn't have to move them to the outside, and it's kind of stuck. And so maybe that'll be an advantage they have against teams because now you're looking at guys, what, I think the smallest guy is six foot three, and that's Kyle Chung. Everybody else is six foot five or taller, right. over 300 pounds. This is a huge offensive line. Um, some other things that stood out, they're going to split the kicking duties. Uh, Brian Johnson is going to handle field goals. Jordan Stout's going to handle kickoffs. 
Uh, in the secondary, some things, uh, Khalil Ladler is going to be at the whip. So a lot of people thought Devon Hunter, a sophomore, was going to be there. He's going to be your starter there. Divine Diablos at free safety and Reggie Floyd as expected at the Rover. Um, so interesting group in the secondary. Uh, Divine, I think, is in, I, I called him one of the guys that I thought was going to have a big year. So he, right off the bat, uh, in the starting lineup, um, they've got guys that have athleticism. They've got guys that have size, uh, but obviously very inexperienced. I think those are kind of the things that jumped out to me right away. Anything to you? No, I mean the Hoyt thing definitely, and I, I thought it was interesting in your story that you posted online where, where Stephen Magenbauer, his coach in high school, said that uh, basically he was a little bit uh, fish out of water when he first started playing football, and I think it's a testament to that program, that powerhouse high school program here, that you know he he got into the the system in middle school, he became a center. And he's just been a center ever since. I mean, he just like you said, he didn't have to move outside as he got bigger and stronger. Um, and and that's uh, you know, I played center in high school, not at the level that Zachariah did. Uh, but I, I know it's you know, you're sort of the quarterback of of the line. You know, you've got to have all all the assignments known. You know, you're not just you know, who, you're not just who, what you're doing with the guards, but also right, right. who are the tackles blocking here. So for a guy to kind of come out of nowhere and take that starting role, he must have been very impressive in, in camp. Well, and, and his high school coach said he's got very quick feet, which at that size you have to have to be able to kind of get off the ball and and, and be ready. Um, he's, he's an athletic guy for his size. Uh, and like you said, this is going to be a tempo offense. They're going to want to run tempo in the center. Uh, a lot of the coaches that ha run that tempo offense say the second most important person behind the quarterback is your center. So they obviously have a lot of confidence. Kyle Chung, um, you know, was that uh, tackle last year. But he has experience in interior, was repping. So they obviously have a lot of confidence in Hoyt that they put him there to start the season. So uh, very interesting, I thought. And then one other thing that we could talk about, the running back. Uh, it's Deshaun McLeese at the uh, top, but with an or next to his name, next to Stephen Peoples. Uh, you heard you were at Media Day. Uh, Stephen Peoples getting a lot of talk. Are you surprised that McLeese isn't the clear number one? It sounds like that. It seems like from the depth chart and from what they're saying, it's going to be pretty split between uh, these two guys at the top. Well, if anything, I'm surprised that Steve Peoples is not the clear number one. <laughs> at least uh, to to start right, the game. Right. No, I got gotcha. you. Um, you know, as you'll see, and uh, as he's uh, he's alluded to, Fuente will uh, rotate them in and out. There'll be multiple guys coming in and out. So the, the the starter is kind of the starter in name only. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the bulk of the carries. Uh, but just everything they say about Stephen Peoples and how complimentary both the coaching staff and the teammates that work alongside the, the, that guy um, just love Stephen Peoples to death. Um, and he's really, you know, he was the starter last year when he was healthy. Um, and, you know, look, McLeese is a different kind of back. He's a, he's a shiftier back. He's faster. He can hit a home run for you. Uh, so you're going to want to get him a lot of totes uh, just, just as a lottery ticket. Um, but mm. for just grinding away, getting those four yards on first down, that's what they're looking for out of Peoples. And he can also do a lot of blocking and other things that they like. So I'm, I'm not stunned by it at all that uh, that McLeese – I read that Peoples is second. Well, I, I, if I'm stunned at all, it's because Peoples is not the clear, clear number, number one. one. Right. But it's an or, so they'll be splitting the – obviously the plan is to – those are the guys that are going to ride out at least the beginning. One other thing to note, uh, Vinny Mahota, who was expected to start uh, alongside Ricky Water, uh, and we wrote about this over the weekend – 
not 100%. He's not listed at the first team. Uh, Jared Hewitt is at nose tackle. That was supposed to be where Mahota is, but it's because Mahota is not 100%, and he's they're expecting, uh, what, what Bud Foster said, 10, you know, hopeful that he'll get 10 to uh, 15 snaps. Uh, so that's not very many, and he admitted he's not pushing them. He's, he's recovering from that torn ACL. He has knee tendonitis. Uh, he had to put on 30 to 40 pounds uh, to play the tackle because he was on the outside last year. And that's kind of slowed his progress back from injury. Uh, Justin Fuente noted on the conference call this morning, he's healthy. He's clear to go in the sense that they're not putting him at risk, but not healthy enough to say have that confidence in him where he's going to be down in and down out on the field. So that's something to note because this uh, defensive line was going to be, you know, supposed to be the strength. They're already down one of the major pieces kind of going into the season, at least limited in this first game. What do they have Hewitt listed as weight-wise? Because it's a little cloudy on my on 282. My 282, that surprises me. Uh, yeah, your nose tackle 61282 is not very... They Well, they had, at, at media day on Sunday, they split them up. They put, you know, half of them in the podium. They put half of them in the back gym. Right, right. Uh, the back gym is my preference because you can actually ask follow-up questions and it's uh, actual conversation rather than – and Hewitt was one of the guys in the back gym. Yeah, so I spent the entire time back there. He looks small to me. And mm. look, he's bigger than <laughs> he's bigger than either of us. But still. <laughs> right. um, it's relative. Right yeah, yeah, it's relative. And I, I wonder physically, you know, how well he'll hold up in there because, uh, you know, as a nose tackle, you get a lot of double teams. You get right. a lot of uh, punishment throughout the game and that's why they love rotating those guys right. you know, and, and keeping them fresh um you know probably not ideal that he's got to go in there and play as much as he does this this game yeah and i think the counter to that is they're expecting ricky walker to draw a lot of those double teams and maybe right. that'll ease it up on him the other thing is is he's gotten really good reviews from the coaching staff you know i don't know if it was to set him up as kind of because they knew he was going to have to take the bulk of the work but I uh, took over the one scrimmage, according to his uh, line coach, uh, Charlie Wiles. Uh, Bud Foster has kind of raved about him. You know, it, it, it'll be interesting against uh, – I keep interesting. That was one thing that I, re- I listened back to the podcast like three times and I kept saying it. So I'll try to – that's the last time I'm going to say that. But uh, Hewitt um, has gotten those raves. Interesting jar. Yeah, it has gotten – yeah, I've got a dollar it. into it. Um, it's not interesting. Um, it stands out that Jared Hewitt uh, has been getting these rave reviews and uh, playing well in at a very good fall. Um I, I don't know if he can handle it, uh, plan and play out and be the number one guy. Um, but they expected this, uh, you know, the last two weeks, it sounds like, you know, had just revealed it publicly on Sunday. But it sounds like they've been preparing for this for, for a little while. Well, where else do you look at this depth chart and say, ooh, they're not very uh, stout there? Or, ooh, that's probably not ideal going into the opener. Well, I think I- ideal is where you look at the defensive backfield. You wish you had more experience. I don't right. think you could wish you had uh, more athleticism, more si- – I mean, look – Von Diablo's six foot three. Everybody's at least six foot except for uh, Ladler. So, I mean, you've got size. Uh, you got some uh, – obviously, you got speed. All these guys, too, are track champions from high school. Right. So, I think you have the um, ingredients there for a successful secondary, and I think you have the sort of the blueprint, but what is it going to be in practice? And, you know, you're going up against a team that has similar athletes at the skill positions, uh, running back, wide receiver. First game, that's tough to ask them to be – really good I, I you know everybody kind of says that they're the question mark and I think they could be a weakness early on just because of the lack of experience but if they can pick it up quick they have everything to be I think a pretty solid unit yeah well they they list Bryce Watts at, at six foot even and 177 he's another guy pretty slight mm-hmm. uh, very very slight guy and I, I might question that six foot 
I'm yeah, that might, that might know, be a little high. That might be a but little high, But Divine too. Diablo is a legitimate 6'3". Oh, Caleb's a big guy, too. Right. So, I mean, they've, uh, you know, if Bryce is a little small, he's kind of the smaller guy of the group, and that's not bad. For, for no, he's group. a speed yeah. guy, yeah, and, and yeah, he yeah. can he can he can cover, and that's what they're going to ask out of him. You wonder if if running backs break into the second level, if he can actually go toe to toe with right, these guys and right. bring them down. He'll try to wrap them up and, and and spin them down. I was asking a lot of those guys in the back room, you know, what kind of tacklers are these guys? Because I. You know, that, that's one thing I'm very curious about because we haven't seen you can't play. And you can't practice. They don't bring guys to the ground a lot. And they'll do a couple sessions live throughout here and there. But that's something that is hard to get because they limit contact now, especially in practice. Yeah, I mean, it, Foster's defenses are typically very fundamentally sound when it comes to tackling. There have been some games where they have tackled really poorly. And those are the games that Bud Foster just, you know, he, he's spitting blood afterwards. He's just so angry. Uh, certainly, I'm sure that's been a, a focus. You know, he's not going to put anybody in there that hasn't demonstrated the ability to tackle. But it's still a wait-and-see approach for a lot of us uh, who are just, you know, on the outside looking in saying, okay, well, we'll see when they get out there and what, what happens. Right. Um, you want to move to FSU now? Well, we could do one more. Okay. Uh, just, uh, you know, kind of we touched on the defensive line, but, you know, we said that that was going to be a strength. Without Mahota, and now you're kind of talking about starting Hewitt, then you got Xavier Burke as the backup, Porsher as another backup. What does the, that second line look like? I mean, this was supposed to be a strength. Now you talk about depth without Mahota. Um, it'll, it, w- with with kind of the muggy night, it's going to be on Monday, kind of expected. Are these guys in shape? You know, it, Ricky Walker talked about, I'm embracing the expectation of being an impact player every play. What's that like in practice? Can he do that against an FSU team that's gonna that has a guy that rushed for a thousand yards as a freshman last year? Uh, it's gonna be tough, I think, to kind of come out in the gate and have just ask those four to do it. You get into those backups; they're young guys, uh, m- much less experience, especially with that. Mahona's the most experienced guy on the defense, or one of them. Um, Outside so, of Ricky, yeah. Yeah, outside of Ricky. So, you know, one of those team strengths kind of uh, you worry about a little bit with depth-wise, especially what if another guy goes down or something, uh, you know, cramps. Because it's just your first game. You don't know. Um, so I think that's a, that's a tough break for them just because that's what, you know, they were they were looking for that group to carry them, and I think it's going to be tough when one of when your kind of the guys you're expecting to carry your group is out. That's a great point. And, you know, with, with new linebackers, and with the new secondary, a, a mostly rebuilt secondary, right. Uh, th- you're right. That's what they were counting on. That that front four is going to make it tough on those quarterbacks to get the ball off. It was going to make it tough for them to find running room at the line of scrimmage. Uh, maybe that maybe that's not going to be as uh, as tough for, for Florida State. Or late in the game, looked. it gets harder because you're right. going to those backups. Um, you know, you kind of come out strong, but but what is it like after two quarters and you're sweated up and and it's tough and you're and you're you're missing guys. So, um, you know, with just with your most experienced guy, one of them down, it's just tough to make up for, especially in the first week. When you know you look at this defense, and that's so we could talk about surprises. They have seven true freshmen on the two deep, one starter with their uh, long snapper uh, Oscar Shadley, and then what two thirds of I think the roster are sophomore or less yeah. uh, experience. So I mean, you're talking just about a young team in general. Yeah, you are. All right, Florida State. The line uh, well, the line is now at seven and a half. Uh, Seminoles by seven and a half went up, right? Started, yeah, started. I think it was six and a half at one point. Uh, and and you know you know Vegas doesn't like to move off that touchdown if they can help it. They don't right. like to go to the other side. That puts them in jeopardy of getting middled. But it's at seven and a half. What is the biggest concern from Virginia Tech's perspective in your mind? I just think those athletes, if they hit a couple of big plays, uh, you're worried about your defense losing a little bit of confidence just because they are young. Right. Uh, you know, and you and it could be flukes. You know, and there's going to be mistakes. You just have to hope uh, they're not uh, game changers. They're not 
you know, 80 yard touchdown run or something like that. Uh, you want to kind of limit that, you know, bend don't break, I think would be a good thing for this defense early. You're going to give up some points. I don't think that's the problem. I think your offense is going to score some points, but I don't think you want to start, you know, three quick possessions at the beginning of the game, or something like the Notre Dame game a couple of years ago, where you look up on the scoreboard, you're down 21, nothing, right. uh, because they've just got, they can hit you fast because they've got the, that capability. I think you want to kind of grind it out against this Florida state team. You know, Willie Taggart said today, they're a young team too. They're going through a new system. They've got a lot of moving pieces. You know, one thing that gets under kind of, uh, and that's part of us, that you take for granted, this Virginia Tech coaching staff has been together for so long altogether. Right. I mean, the defensive staff has been here, uh, and Fuente's offensive guys have been together for like seven years. Um, so that continuity, maybe you don't have it with the players and some on defense, but you have that coaching staff together. You have that philosophy in place. Um, but I just think you can't, if you get hit early, it could really hurt this team just because, then you can, then it kind of piles on. And you can't catch up. Well, when you talk about Taggart's system, yeah, it, it, it's up tempo and it's also very run heavy. They yeah. run the ball under Taggart. They did it at South Florida. They did it at Oregon. They're going to do it at Florida State. They've got the weapons to do it. They've got two very capable backs. Uh, one of them, I, they, what? Aker, Cam Aker. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wrote about him in the in the preseason here, and you know they're expecting huge things from him in this system, and that's a bad matchup for Tech. I mean, like, it, it's just when you look at it, you're like, okay, what would Tech not like to face in its first game with all these new faces, particularly at linebacker? Uh, probably a team that really can run the ball and really likes to run the ball. I, 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 from a Virginia Tech perspective, I would be very, very concerned about that. I, I just, I see a scenario under which, with kind of what you were talking about earlier, where they get worn down because it's run, 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 and then an occasional big hitting pass and all of a sudden this game can get away from you. Yeah, and you got Akers, who ran for 1,000 yards as a freshman, and then uh, Patrick, who I guess could have gone pro but came back, and so he averaged five yards a carry as well. So they got two uh, really good uh, players in the backfield. And, uh, Bud Foster talked about how the when we had talked to him, the quarterback battle hadn't been determined, but they were like, that's going to be the offense, regardless of who the winning the quarterback. We're worried about those other guys. And it wasn't a slight against the quarterback. It was like, look, the system's going to be the same. We're worried about the the speed that they have, the ability to break those big plays. We talk about Taggart, uh, some of the numbers. Oregon averaged 36 points last year, uh, top 20 scoring offense. And in South Florida, his last year, the year before that, averaged 500 yards, won 500 yards per game and 43 points. So, I mean, his resume, those offenses, and I think they scored 77 points. It was against a lesser opponent than the season opener last year. So, very capable of putting points up in bunches. Well, and when you asked them about preparations, they said that you know, sort of a hybrid of personnel and system. Right. But I would imagine it's probably 70 system, 30, right. 30 personnel, because you just kind of plug in Florida State players. He's going to do that. You yeah, just absolutely. Say, you just say Florida State is Florida State. They're going to have great athletes. Yeah, like – we're not going to be like these, this guy stinks and this guy stinks because they're not going to stink. You know, yeah. none of them are going to be <laughs> weak links, really. So you look at the system instead and you say, we got to prepare for what they run and what yeah. Oregon ran and what South Florida ran before that. Yeah, and, and he's talked about picking up the tempo, simplifying the offense Taggart has. Uh, so they're going to try to do some of the things Fuente does where just run fast and, and rotate guys and pick up the tempo. And then the good thing is is that the defense is practicing against that every day. So it's not something that, oh, man, we're going to have to go fat. We do that already. So that's one of the advantages they have. They're not That wasn't something they had to get used to stylistically for the defense. All right, what, what are the bright sides here? I mean, what is, what is Florida State's weakness? What can Tech do against this team that, uh, that could help their chances? You know, they got I, – I think they're – 
quarterback and offensive line is going to – they can dictate some things. If they can hold on to the ball a little bit, uh, you know, they talked about efficiency running the game. And if you got, you've got the experience up front, you got Josh Jackson, and he's going to be able to call some plays, change some things at the line. If he can pick up on some things, I don't think he has to force it. Don't test those talented quarterbacks. Uh, I think they have one of the more talented uh, secondary uh, in the country. Don't push it. Don't test those guys right away. Pick your spots. And I think Josh is smart enough to be able to do that. I think they'll be able to kind of take advantage of that sometime. I mean, they've got some experience. Uh, this is a, a, an experienced group, kind of the core of the offense. I mean, your skill position's a little untested, but just be patient. Try to try, try to hold on to the ball. And, I, and, and it sounds like, I think, Fuente's confident that this offense is going to be able to do that. I, I don't know. I mean, he's not, like, outwardly bragging about it, but, you, you know, it's hard to get a sense sometimes with him. But I think he likes where this offense is at. I mean, what did you get the sense on oh, Sunday? Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. And, and, you know, something we don't mention a lot, but both these guys were in the back gym, both tight ends, Dalton Keene mm, yeah, and yeah, Chris yeah. Cunningham were in the back gym, and I got a chance to speak with both of those guys. And, you know, they both have starting experience. Um, those are good outlet-type guys. Uh, Cunningham's more of the pass catcher than Keene is. Keen's more of a blocker, but he can catch the ball too. Yeah. So I mean, if 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 uh, Jackson's in trouble, needs an outlet, uh, not only can he go to his running backs, he can also look for his tight ends. And there's been talk that they're going to try to use the tight ends more. And I think part of that is just the fact that they have two guys that they trust. There. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be. You know, everybody wants that kind of sexy offense where you're scoring quick and you're hitting big plays. But look, if you can just wear a Florida this Florida State team top, they're young too. They've got a lot of rotating parts. They got a new coaching staff. Um, and if you can just kind of do what you want, you know, dictate the tempo, slow it down a little bit at times, speed it up at times, kind of uh, do what you want, make the game kind of your pace, um, I, I think it could go right for them. I, if they get behind early, I'd be worried just because of the defense. But offensively, I, I think they're going to have some openings, especially if Josh, look, this is a second-year quarterback. Um, you know, they, the, Florida State has experience at quarterback as well, but he was injured most of last year. Um, and, and Jackson's kind of plugged in. I just get the sense that he's going to be a mature player and not make those kind of mistakes um, in the opener. That's yeah. just my feeling about and, it. And, and if you get behind early, the crowd really gets into it, and then all those defenders who are seeing their first action or close to their first action, some of them, uh, you know, may panic. I mean, I was talking with Oscar Bradburn. He's a special case because he's, a, you know, from Australia and – Last year was not only his first right. <laughs> college game, it is his first football game, first American football game he'd ever played. But he said, you know, you prepare and prepare and prepare, and then you get out there and it's totally different. It's, right. it's a shock to the system what you're, you know, the noise. And he said the first time he went out there to kick the ball, he went back to the to the uh, sideline afterwards and it was all a blur. Yeah, like he, he didn't, didn't even remember what didn't remember exactly. kicking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I asked him if, you know, hey, are the defenders going to be like that? You know, is that what it's going to be like for them? And he says – he says, well, no, I think they're actually pretty prepared, you know, because they've been playing since high school and they, they know, you know, and, and when you ask these other guys, you know, how do you prepare for – because one of the things I find interesting is that last year, okay, they showed up and there were so many questions about this offense. New quarterback, receivers we didn't know, uh, running back position hadn't been good. And then, you know, they go out there and they play really, really well against West Virginia. So I've been asking all these these offensive players – how you know and we know that West Virginia's defense is, is not great last year but um, still how were you able to be sharp like that so quickly and they said look we simulate it's like it's like um, the army you know like they simulate war and so when you get into war you're probably not you haven't been in a war before uh, and it's not the same exactly but you you prepared 
Um, so that is what they're banking on for these defenders. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and uh, it's it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I don't know if, if I don't know if you've predicted it yet. What's what's <laughs> <laughs> I've been all over. The map I, I think I've predicted it twice, two different ways today. And it's just sort of I'm not remembering what I'm doing just because we got so much going on. But so I'm going to try to make a prediction today that I'll stick with. But, but you'll start first. Let's hear what, what do you got? OK, well. When in doubt, take the points. And I always pick against the spread. I don't know if you want to do that or not, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be picking against the spread throughout the season. Seven and a half points with so many unknowns. I mean, I feel like there's a chance Tech could come out there and surprise us. And that's what my, my the first line of my advanced column will probably be: Okay, Virginia Tech, surprise us. You yeah. know, that's because that's what it would be if they were to win this game or if they were to go down to the wire. I think in both cases. In my, my opinion of the two programs and where they are right now, I know Florida State didn't have a great year last year, but I, I don't think that matters. I mean, I think they're, they're going to be back. Um, yeah. So, uh, dangerous game that could easily get away from them. So, I'm, I'm couching all of, all of my prediction in all of that. I mean, all the things we talked about before. But give me 33-28 Florida State. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, good number of points, kind of up and down. Uh, Florida State wins, Tech covers. Tech feels pretty good about where it's going after that, but uh, but takes the L in this one. I think in the paper I predicted Virginia Tech, I think on a radio interview I did Florida State, and I am back and forth on it uh, just because I think it's closer than people kind of think. I just think that with you got a coaching staff in Florida State that didn't really play anybody for a month last year in Oregon, and you know they ran over everybody, but they struggled at times. And uh, there's no gu- guarantee that they're going to come out just because they're at home and play their greatest game or be in midseason. Four. There's no reason to give them the advantage, sort of uh, experience-wise, over Virginia Tech. And at quarterback, I just I like what they what they got with Josh Jackson. I like what they got on the offensive line. I like, you know. You like the continuity, like I said, with the coaching on defense because they got a system in place. They got people kind of coming back to lead. Ricky Walker, uh, you you know, when you listen to Ricky Walker, you just think that this team's going to be okay, right? Right. So I think I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. Wow. I think I am going to go with the upset. Uh, And and I'm going to try to stick with that through the rest of the week. Try Ask me tomorrow again. We'll see. But I I just – something about this game, I feel like Virginia Tech's going to win. Okay. Well, here's one thing, you know, down in Charlotte, you know, when you talk to their defensive lineman who was there and you talk to Taggart, you know, under their new defensive coordinator, their big thing is they're going to be simple and aggressive. Like, they're just going to let them play. They, they're yeah. like, we're going to let our, our athletes take over rather than think so much. Well, that could work. That could be explosive and devastating, or it could also blow up in their faces, missed assignments, you know, all and of if a you sudden. And go- if, jo- if you were going against Josh Jackson last year, that might have been – way to beat him you know you're just throwing stuff at him but this year josh if he's smart which everybody says he is at the game not just in general i mean it's just smart kid but just he can analyze the game and say look i don't have to hit damon hazelton down the field every game every play i can dump it off the tight end get six yards and we could win this game and so i think if he can do that if he can uh dictate that i just i like it i mean i I don't know I could be wrong. They could be lose by 30, but who knows? I'm glad you mentioned Hazleton because uh, of all the players that uh, I haven't seen play that I want to see play, mm. he's probably he's number one on that list. Uh, you know, uh, Diablo played some. 
Um, you know, so these linebackers, of course, are high on the list. I want to see Rivers play. I want to see Ashley play. Uh, I want to see da Dax Hollyfield if he gets in there. And you had a great story on him. Check that out on Roanoke.com if you haven't seen it already. Uh, but those are – and Hewitt, I mean, that's another one too. Down right, we talked right. a lot about him. There's a lot of guys I can't wait to see play. But, but Hazleton tops that list just with his size and speed, and he's been working as a punt returner too. And it's funny because Bradburn was like – yeah, he he went out there every day with me and just caught punts. Yeah, that was surprising. Summer. He said that he'd been – he asked the coaches to basically be a punt returner, and they said, yeah, we'll let you try it. So he just basically was out there all summer, yeah. it sounded like, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, the word that Bradburn used to describe him was he's big for a punt returner, but he's twitchy. And I like twitchy. that word. Twitchy. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, could, that could – Fast twitch. Touchdown. So, so uh, overall, we predicted, I guess, overall finish in the paper on Sunday in the football tab, if you hadn't seen it go by – a copy of Sunday's paper, and I think I we didn't do overall record, so I predicted they'd finish second to Miami. Virginia Tech would in uh, their division. You, I think, had Virginia Tech over Miami. I did. And so, are you sticking with that? Yes. Okay. So, what's the but? What's your prediction for overall record? Well, I'm gonna go with the Vegas over under here. It's eight and a half. The 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 under is minus one seventy. For gamblers out there, that means you got to lay one hundred seventy dollars to win a hundred. So that means the under is favored. Um. That means betters are, are going with the under. I am going to go with the over. I'm going to take nine. I'm going to say nine and three. And the reason I'm doing this is I'm looking at the schedule. The schedule is very favorable. Not this game. This game ain't favorable. And as you wrote, uh, you know, Fuente, quoting Fuente, it wouldn't be his first choice to open with a conference right. game. against. Especially the on the road. road. That's not ideal. <laughs> right. But uh, after this, you know, William & Mary, East Carolina, Old Dominion, that should be 3-0. and and it should give your your defense time to catch up, and just you, you'll have good film from Florida State that you can use. Um, you should be three and one going into that Duke game. That Duke game's tougher than people think usually. Uh, I think Tech still wins it. You know Notre Dame at home. I give Tech a chance at Lane Stadium anytime, man. They yeah. can win any game at Lane Stadium. Uh, at North Carolina, North Carolina's not as bad as last year, but they're still not really good. So you got all your all your road games are easier. It, with the exception of this one, right? Um, all your home game, all your toughest games are at home. Miami's at home, and that's in November, you know, mid-November. Um, the weather could be a factor. Um, who knows where those programs will be uh, at that point? But you know, I usually like Virginia Tech's chances against Miami at home. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got Virginia at home. You go to Pitt. Pitt was it? They they've gotten rid of that bugaboo of not being able to win at Heinz Field. So I'm I'm wondering, you know, if I'm looking at betting the under on the eight and a half, I'm looking at where are the losses coming from. Right. I mean, okay, I'll give you Notre Dame, I'll give you Miami, and I'll give you Florida State. That's still I'm still over, you know, if they win the rest of them. Right. And I think they're going to win at least one of those three games that I just mentioned. So then you got a little bit of a you know a, a little bit of leeway on the others. So nine and three, uh, and they win the Coastal. How about that? Uh, yeah, I. I have them second, and I still think they'll get. I think they'll get nine and three no matter what. They might even be able to get ten and two. I don't know how the tiebreakers work, but Miami's schedule is uh, pretty easy. So they have L they open LSU at neutral, and I think LSU is going to be dreadful. So if they win that, they have Savannah State, Toledo at Toledo, which is a road game. But I mean, they should win that easy. FIU, North Carolina, four of those five are at home. They should easily be five and zero. Oh. Uh, they're at home against Florida State which is pretty favorable matchup for them at home. And then the road games in the conference, Virginia, Boston College, and Georgia Tech 
are the other ones. And those are all games they probably will be favored in, even though they're on the road. Certainly. Uh, and so Virginia, Virginia Tech it comes down to, and even if they lost that one, they run the table. Otherwise, I think they'd still probably win the conference uh, or win the division. So Miami's uh, schedule is a little easier, I think, um, just because – I think LSU is not very good, and they're at a neutral field, so and they don't have um, Notre Dame, right? They don't have Notre Dame, no. Them last year, um, and destroyed and them. They close Hard Rock. The Hard Rock atmosphere is something we should talk about too. I mean, that makes a big difference. I mean, that when that place is actually rocking, yeah. And Bud Foster mentioned it after that game. He said he hadn't seen it like that in years, and it's going to be back like that. Yeah. You know, you may not say Miami is all the way back. You know, the whole joke about Miami right, being right. back, but but Miami's fan base seems to be back. And that's going to be. And if they open the season, Florida State game. And if they open the season five and zero, and they're going five and zero against Florida State at home, that's going to be a huge oh, lift yeah. for them. So uh, it'll. It, it, I don't think it's a gimme, and you know, I, I think it's going to be tough. I think that, you know, gosh, if Virginia Tech has that game, and that's what you know, late in the season, and that could win you the conference at home. That could go either way. Then you know, you got to talk about the expectation. You know, having the fans uh, pushing you over to the the division title or whatever. Um, could things could change, um, but it'd be tough. It, 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 it certainly comes down to these two teams. I don't think there's any question about it. So you're going nine and three for sure. For sure, nine and three. Yeah. Who are the losses to? I, I, the Pittsburgh game kind of scares me just because where the situation in the schedule, I, I, uh, and then oh, I think I, they'll go at least nine and three. I think they go ten and two and still finish second. That's what I'm saying in the com- in the uh, division. Okay. So then they lose to Miami, lose to Pittsburgh. You know what's a tricky one? Boston College at home. That's what people say. I don't know. I don't, That's I don't, tricky. I, mean, I, that I haven't offense done, done much now. research on Boston College. but Lefty's got the boys humming on offense now, and right. Adazio always has a defense that, that can play, and Boston College is, you know, they've come into Lane Stadium and won. It's not, it's not unheard of for them to do that. Uh, that's one that you kind of just gloss over, but that could be big in, in the long run. It comes, They get a little extra prep time because it comes after the Georgia Tech uh, Thursday night game. Here's something interesting that wasn't on our sheet, but I wanted to mention this. Uh, <laughs> the schedule that I printed out had uh, vivid seats prices for the tickets, uh, oh, both okay, home yeah, yeah. and away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, the highest ticket price was for the Notre Dame game, uh, $158. And that game's already sold out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think the number two uh, price pricey game is? For road or just home? Road or home. Road or home. Second price game. Old Dominion? Correct. I mean, it's, it's sort a of smaller count- stadium. Yeah, smaller yeah, yeah, venue. Yeah. It's yeah. counterintuitive when you just think of oh, it's just a right, non-conference right. game against a, a team, you know, a lesser team, perhaps. But but that's going to be a big date for them. Just oh, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. So that'll be a cool, cool trip uh, early in the season. All right, so we want to get to pick three. Do we have anything else we want to get to? Anything else? Yeah, uh, I'm good. I think we covered uh, the, the, the a lot nuts of football. And bolts. Yeah, a lot of football, and we'll be heading down to Florida State uh, this weekend. Um, it should be exciting. I mean, it's it. It should be an exciting game uh, Monday night. They've never opened a season on a Monday night. Uh, just a lot of different kind of components to that. And all eyes on, on of college football on your teams. I think that's pretty fun. Well, here's a life hack that we need to use. We need to do the predictions at the end so people have to sit through our pick three in order to get to them. We oh, gotta, people we, are we listening to have the pick three. They want our. They want them along. They want to know what we're what we're doing, <laughs> what we're reading, what we're eating. Okay, your pick three. Start it up, baby. Uh, so TV. I've been watching because uh, I have lots of time to watch TV while I'm working. Uh, the Grinder, which is a show from a couple years ago with Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. <laughs> okay. It's about so Rob Lowe is a character that had a was a 
lawyer on a like a long running uh, TV show, like a Law and Order sort of CSI type of show, but with the with just he was a star lawyer and he's going back home to Idaho and lives with his brother, but he he thinks he's <laughs> he's in the, the show within the show is called The Grinder. And so he thinks he's a lawyer, so he tries to be a lawyer based on all the things he learned as the TV lawyer. And it's a very hard, convoluted pr- premise, but it's very funny. And it's n- the name of the character in the show was Mitch Grinder, and Mitch was short for Michard, which makes me laugh every time I hear it. Um, it's very silly, and Fred Savage, who was in The Wonder Years, sure. obviously, uh, is very good, who doesn't do enough acting, and it's very, very funny. Very silly. Uh, I don't think it'll be for everybody, but if it's... it. You'll know within the first couple of episodes if it's for you and your kind of comedy. You know, Rob Lowe was great in Parks and Rec. He's right? very good. He's he very good in, in this. And so I could see liking him in another show. And he's, you know, he plays up to this. I'm the han- most handsome man and right. don't age. And and so and it's just a great part for him. And uh, he's just very good at it. So I would recommend that. And there's all, it's only one season. Unfortunately, it got canceled, but it did go 21 episodes. So. Uh, it does wrap up nicely, so I would recommend that. It's on Hulu. Okay. Uh, so if anybody has th- has the Hulu, they could uh, go Hulu it up. You know, I have not turned on my actual TV in a long time. That will change in Saturdays, right. Sundays. Right now, in the now fall. it's all regular. But I, yeah. I do watch a lot of stuff on my la- my extra laptop while I'm working. Right, you know, right, I just right. have, uh, and that brings me to my number one thing, ESPN Plus. I want to okay. get on my feet and give a standing ovation <laughs> to ESPN Plus. It is a gambler's dream. Today <laughs> I watched a gal go six zero six one in in the U.S. Open. Uh, I can watch any court that I that I want to watch, and they have comments. So you're betting on tennis? Oh yeah. I mean, there's nothing. There was nothing else going on at 11 a.m. I prefer soccer. Uh, the soccer didn't start till three. So what is the lines for tennis? Uh, they're they're like baseball lines. They're they're money lines. Okay. So uh, they're, they're, the, the breakage is pretty steep. Like you'll, the, the favor will be like minus 170 and the dog will be like minus or plus 120. So okay. it's not like baseball value in that. But um, ESPN Plus is much better than I thought it was. It's 495 a month. Okay. Um, and I was reluctant. You know, you mentioned Hulu and the, and the subscription. I'm always reluctant to add another subscription to my growing, you know, uh, menagerie of pers- subscriptions. But... I took a chance on this. They've got all the MLS soccer. I love soccer. They've got the Italian soccer. They've got a bunch of other just random soccer. Um, they've got – and if you're into these Olympic sports in the ACC, the SEC, they've got all that. You know, the, the platforms, the ACC network and all that stuff comes through on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, a lot of secondary sports, it's not the Ocho per, per se, but it's, it's, you know, there's lines on these games. And for a guy like me, I, I just love ESPN Plus. Kudos to ESPN for coming up with it. And so that's just online only. You can just access with it. Online only. I is don't it separate? Do you have to have like a cable subscription? I or don't think you have to have a cable subscription. And didn't they roll? I think I read an article that they rolled the Insider subscription into that, so you can get some of their bonus content uh, that way as well, I suppose. Yeah, I'm a subscriber to the magazine. I, I like the magazine. I haven't read it much lately, but uh, so I guess that. That takes away my ESPN, the magazine subscription cost. Now that they've rolled that together, I'm not sure. I haven't double checked that. Or they're just charging you for random things. You're just like, that's fine. I got it. Yeah, the main reason I got ESPN, uh, the magazine, was so I could have uh, access to the online stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice bonus to that extra value for the, the, especially for you want to be watching random sports. Right. At 11 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, man, it worked out. All right, my number two. I stopped at this store on the way in because uh, I'm a nerd. Uh, Basement Toys and Comics. It's uh, on Williamston. Williamson. Uh, Williamson. Uh, it was a really neat store, and I'm going to have to take my kids there and uh, try not to have them buy everything. It's got all the things from when we were kids uh, and just oodles and oodles and oodles. It's like a huge store, huge toy store. Um, so it's a pretty cool place. Okay. Do they have baseball cards and stuff too? Or? Uh, they didn't do baseball cards, okay. no. no. Comic books? Comic books, uh, comic books, uh, you know, every comic books and, and toys, basically. Was the proprietor of this gentleman... Uh, this uh, establishment, anything like comic book guy from uh, no, Simpsons? no, oh. he was he was a thin guy. It, it looked like he was in shape. <laughs> thin looked guy. like he looked like he was he he, he could have been a runner of some sort. I don't know. <laughs> Worst customers ever. And yeah, no, no, he was, was he was very nice, uh, very personable. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very much a nerd, uh, and so and I'm raising two nerds, so uh, we will be frequenting that when they get in the area. Well, my son is a nerd, and I'm a nerd as well, so you'll fit in just fine <laughs> here. Uh, my second one is from a, a gentleman named Mickey Bailey from Georgia, Li- Lilburn, Georgia. He was nice enough. He listened to the podcast last week, and he heard me talking about Hemingway and the snows of Kilimanjaro, which I was reading that collection of short stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I finished that, by the way. It's not it's not a very long read. It's uh, it's pretty pretty brief. But and he recommended uh, several authors. He said he 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 liked the snows of Kilimanjaro, but he also didn't like the, the, the sun also like rises. Right. So. I'm encouraged, you know, he, he talked about the ones everybody knows about, Farewell to Arms, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and all that. But he also said, you know, the biographies on, on Hemingway are great because his life was probably better than his books. More you interesting. Know, like just yeah, more yeah. interesting. He also recommended an author by the name of Wallace Stegner, uh, won a Pulitzer Prize for Angle of Repose. Oh, interesting. So his his favorite Stegner book is The Big Rock Candy Mountain. So now I have a big, long now list. Now you have a list. Yeah. So there you go. Pick three was a success right off the bat. Yeah, That's thank fun. you, Mickey. I appreciate that. Uh, my last one is uh, food, because like I said, eat a lot when you're by yourself. Poor Billy's uh, in uh, Blacksburg does $10 snow crab on Tuesday nights, and I had two plates of snow crab and gorged myself, and it was phenomenal. Is it all you can eat, or is it ten dollars? They're like two, uh, ten dollars for two clusters of crab. So it was twenty bucks for like four. Cl- I mean, it was a lot. Of, it was like two pounds. Of, it was two pounds for ten dollars, basically. That is a great deal. That is a very good deal. <laughs> so it was four. Deal. So I spent twenty dollars uh, on four pounds of crab, and what left, very happy and very full. Well, I always ogle the uh, the snow crabs in the freezer section at. Yeah, at, yeah, at Kroger. Yeah, but like then you look at the price; it's like forty-seven bucks yeah. for a box. You right. Know, you're like, okay, never mind. I but this I was a good deal, and you know, it's a lot of work, but uh, very well, uh, well prepared and very tasty. So, uh, very worth it. Um, so I will be back on Tuesday. So you could probably, if you see me on Tuesdays at Poor Billy's, say hi. Okay, I will. <laughs> and I didn't have really a third one, but since you mentioned food, I'll go food direction too. After Tech Media Day, I, I you know, there wasn't a whole lot open. You know, on a Sunday night, so I went to Texas Roadhouse, and I gotta say, of all the chain places, Texas Roadhouse delivers the best value for your buck in in the nation. I'm telling you, I got a country fried steak, I got a Caesar salad, I got a side of of fries, I got rolls, and, and this is was, making me very hungry. And it was, I mean, the. the the meal was like ten ninety nine. I mean, it was like ridiculous. My brother said, "Yeah, I can go and eat there cheaper than my whole my whole family can eat there cheaper than Red Robin." How does that happen? Did they? Did they? Did they? Do they? 
do the peanuts or is that they do the peanuts? They yeah. do the peanuts on the floor. Okay. I mean the peanuts. I, I didn't eat in eating any of the peanuts. You like give peanuts. or take the peanuts, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I have a lot of peanuts when I'm. Oh right, you're doing baseball every day, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I just want to say, keep it up, Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> you're you're well you're doing done. A, you're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Well, uh, and at least you went home happy on media day, so I did. You you noticed I was working really fast. And check out my column on Coleman Fox. I, I want to mention that too. Right, Coleman. It, it was it's what four years in the making. Is he a senior four now? Four years. In, no, he's a well. Yeah, he's a Richard Junior. So yeah, yeah so four, four years. years. Yeah, four years in the making. Uh, yeah, I remember asking Frank about him when he just got back, got on ten, campus. And that was the first, and this is the first time. So thank you to Virginia Tech for making him available. Was Coleman, it worth the wait? Oh, Coleman seemed like he had a good time talking to us. You know, he, he seemed. You know, he, well, did he think it was weird that he lit candles? Or <laughs> 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 right, I offered him a glass of wine. <laughs> and he, he declined politely. Declined. No, but uh, thanks to Virginia Tech for that, and hopefully. You well, Virginia Tech now could have two Salem kids making an impact. That's That'd crazy. Be interesting. One right? blocking for the other. Yeah. Well, I guess you know. So did you cover them in high school together then? Uh, I, you know, I, I cover them when they get deep in the season. Because they were, they. I, I mean, I was re re reading some of the stuff about them. They were undefeated that regular season that senior their senior year. Is that right? Or I, I don't remember. I remember talking to Coleman after a game at, yeah. uh, at Salem at one point. I don't think I've ever talked to Zachariah before okay um i usually try to grab a lineman you know because yeah, yeah. They, they're thoughtful and a lot of the, a lot of times i'll grab the center but, right, uh, right i don't think i've ever done that with him so looking forward to our first opportunity to talk to him too. well yeah virginia tech you know kudos on the smoke screen that they put up with the uh starting center because yeah, they right? really kept that under the radar uh, uh and i don't think it was sort of Gamesmanship. It was a little gamesmanship, but I mean, Chung was a legit. It wasn't like they were doing something silly where they were saying this guy's going to start and he had no chance. You know, they just decided that at left guard Chung was better, so Hoyt got the starting center. But they did a good job of hiding it, and Chung played along and acted like he was starting center. You know, uh, and so uh, they made it through. They did have a legitimate surprise for us on depth chart day. Yeah, certainly made for a ready-made story. All right, well, check out everything Mike has written on Roanoke.com and what he will write over the weekend for sure. There'll be more to come. I'll also have some stuff as well on Roanoke.com. And we're off to Tallahassee. We'll be back next week to break it all down. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarlane. 